Welcome to this episode of Van Attorneys Legal Pad Podcast. This is a podcast by Van Attorneys PLLC, a law firm of attorneys licensed to practice law in the state of North Carolina. The content of this podcast is not to be considered as legal advice for any particular situation or case, and this podcast does not constitute creating an attorney-client relationship. Welcome to another session of Van Attorneys Legal Pad Podcast. We are really thankful that you have joined us, and uh, we hope that this will be helpful to you. Uh, today, uh, Ian Richardson and I, James Van, we're going to be talking about mediation and um, how to succeed when you have to uh, mediate a case or an issue. Uh, Ian has done uh, I don't know if it's thousands or certainly hundreds right, of cases for mediation, and I've got a bunch of them as well. Um, so we, we're going to bring some experience and just some knowledge that we've gained over the years, uh, and hopefully this will help you. Uh, today, we're going to be just looking at mediation, how it works, looking at sort of the pros and the cons uh, of mediation, uh, looking at the, the rules and how that works, right? And, and then usually an opportunity to resolve a dispute uh, by reaching an agreement um, and how that works. And so, Ian, I think you're going to start us off today talking about uh, when can a mediation actually occur? Yeah, and I think it's important at the outset to distinguish between what we're going to be talking about today, which is a mediation where we actually have a formal mediator, someone who is trained in helping people resolve disputes, trying to bring everyone together versus a simple settlement discussion that might be occurring amongst the parties or amongst the lawyers. So we're talking about uh, the more formal mediation where uh, we do have somebody engaged to help out as our mediator. And those types of mediations can occur really at any time. Uh, some cases lend themselves really nicely to pre-lawsuit mediations. So these are situations where before anybody has actually filed suit, everyone knows that there is some grievance that needs to be addressed. And in order to save cost, maybe to save publicity, everybody decides, you know what, let's get in a room with a mediator trained to help us resolve our dispute and uh, see if we can't get the situation worked out before anybody files suit. Um, those are less common, uh, but they, they do happen. Uh, the more common one is after a lawsuit is filed. So in North Carolina, where we practice, every case that is filed in Superior Court, meaning the amount of controversy is in excess of $25,000, is ordered to mediation. So at some point after you file your lawsuit in Superior Court, you are going to get uh, a document uh, that is a court order that says you have to mediate this case by a certain date, um, which is a very helpful program that's been around for a number of years. Uh, and basically forces everybody to talk, even though they may not want to, because sometimes getting in a room with a mediator can be productive, even when you didn't think it would be. Um, it's also important to note that uh, you can mediate a case more than one time. So this might take the form of uh, you might have had a pre-suit mediation that wasn't successful. You file suit and then you're ordered to mediation. Well, that's one way. Or you may have not done a pre-suit mediation and then uh, you file the lawsuit and you try one round of mediation. Maybe some issues get resolved uh, and everybody decides they need to reconvene or uh, maybe everyone decided we're done, but then something changes throughout the case. And then everybody says, you know what, let's let's get in a mediation room again. I've had cases that 
Uh, we've done three, four, five rounds of mediation, and sometimes settle, sometimes don't. So uh, that's just kind of a, a good thing to keep in mind is don't assume that uh, you have one shot at mediation. Um, James, why don't you walk us through, now that I've talked about when mediations can occur, walk us through the mechanics of mediation. Yeah. And, you know, Ian, I was thinking about, I know you get this question a lot, too, is like, what is it? Sometimes some people don't really know what a mediation is and how it works. And so part of the mechanics we'll talk about is, so a mediation is where the parties agree and hire someone who is a non-interested third party to come in and listen to both sides of the case to ask questions and sort of prod a little bit to push on each side, right? To help under, help each side understand the issues from the other side's perspective. Um, it's usually done with without a lot of emotion, right? The mediator, if you have good mediators, right? They really try to help the other side understand the issues, understand the, um, the, the strengths and the weaknesses of both sides of the cases, right, of the case, and then help to hopefully uh, find some some common ground on the issues, right, on either all of them or some. Um, but generally how the mediation works is that the mediator, you know, a date would be st- selected in time, right, brings all of the parties and the attorneys together, um, and that includes any decision makers, right, in, in, on either side, and we generally meet in a large conference room or if it's by uh, remote, then you do it through a, a, a zoom or whatever the, the uh, platform is and everybody's present. Right. And so the mediator generally makes opening remarks and sort of makes the, the sort of sets the tone for the day of the purpose of the mediation. Uh, sort of the, the mediator generally gives you the role of the mediator you know, they are not a decision maker, right? The, the mediator does not say, you know, party A, you're wrong, and party B, you're right. Um, they listen and try to bring the sides together. Then they talk about generally the, what the experience of the mediator is, and, and they talk about confidentiality, talk about the fee structure. And for the most part, if it's court-ordered mediation, then the parties split the cost of the mediation. And that also generally works if it's a, even if it's not court ordered in North Carolina, all cases in superior court are required to be mediated before you go to, to a trial in the civil side. And so, um, but a lot of times businesses will mediate a case, even if they're not required to, which, and sometimes contracts require that, right? Um, they'll talk about the fees, they'll talk about the confidentiality and just sort of the, the general gist of how the day will go then the party um generally it's the plaintiff that has the burden of proof uh makes their opening statement right um and they they sort of tell what their case is about um it gives the plaintiff's opportunity to explain what their case is their strengths right uh and sort of um it's interesting Ian. i know you've been a lot in a lot of mediations as well some people come in and and you know make it a big theatrical um kind of presentation and you know bang the table a couple times or really get their attention or some people just come in and say here's the facts but you know all the parties know what the facts are for the most part you're just trying to catch the the mediator up to speed once the plaintiff has done their side then the defendants get to do theirs they have an opportunity to respond what they think the facts are what the case is about what the damages might you know what, what they are or are not right and 
it, generally at this point, the mediator may ask questions of either side, right? And, and we've been, I've been in mediation when the parties actually talk some in that opening session. You don't have to. A lot of times they say, no, I don't want to. Uh, it's just the, the attorney's doing it. But there could be some you know, back and forth just for clarification of what uh, facts are or just for clarification of, of the issues. And generally at that point, after you know that sort of has been resolved, the mediator will split the parties up, right? The plaintiff goes to one room, the defendants go to another. Um, and then the mediator goes back and forth trying to um, find common ground on certain issues. Um, and, and again, you, you don't want it to be all about the numbers, right? It's about trying to work through the process to get to the numbers. That's generally where it gets to. But it's not about the numbers, right? Um, so I know, Ian, you're going to talk to us a little bit about what a mediator does more than just the numbers, right? How does that work? Yeah, so a good mediator does a lot more than just pass numbers back and forth. If we just wanted to pass numbers back and forth, email is a fine tool for doing that. We don't need to to engage somebody and pay them $300 an hour to pass numbers back and forth. So really the role of the mediator is to bring everyone, I say bring, maybe force is a better word, everybody to the middle. Um, so in other words, uh, usually cases deal with uh, somebody claims they're owed money by someone else. Uh, so they, as the mediator, are going to be trying to make one party pay more than they want to pay and make the other party accept less than they want to accept. So if you're mashing everybody in those directions, uh, that's when a settlement occurs. Well, Ian, um, Ian, I'm going to interrupt you, but does that, does that mean it's 50, 50% of whatever the plaintiff has, their, their case? <laughs> Say that one more time. Sorry. Does that mean it's 50% of whatever the plaintiff's number is? is that no, how you... <laughs> no it'd, be, it'd be nice. But, that's right. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, one side or the other will come in with an unrealistic view of their case. So they may have to move one side quite a bit further than they have to move the other one. Um, but the idea is see if there's anywhere that the two parties overlap. Um, and, you know, we uh, tend to say that if everybody leaves a mediation unhappy, but you have a settlement, then it was a good mediation. Because at that point, everybody has compromised. Nobody got everything they wanted. And uh, it worked out the way the process is designed to work. Um, the mediator should really uh, point out strengths and weaknesses of the respective positions where appropriate in order to help everybody reach compromise. One of my favorite mediators here in North Carolina is a guy named Joe Chambliss. And he tends to say in his uh, little opening bit that he does before everybody tells uh, their view of the case, he says, you're going to feel like whenever I'm in your room that I'm pulling for the other team, but that's not the case. And I have started telling my clients that before we get to the mediation that, you know, the mediator, his job is to play devil's advocate. He wants to point out to you uh, things that uh, may or may not be great about your case. And he, he's going to do the same thing in the other room. So uh, it's important to know that the mediator is uh, – He's not an advocate for either side, but he's an advocate for trying to reach a compromise. Um, and you know, the mediator should really be a voice of reason in the room. Uh, and mediators not going to give anybody legal advice. That's the role of the lawyers. But mediators are people who have practiced law usually for a long, long time, have seen a lot of cases. Sometimes we have former judges who serve as mediators. 
So even though they're not giving anybody legal advice, uh, they have the ability to say, you know, I've tried a case like this and this is what happened. And that can be really insightful to everybody in the room as they're trying to analyze which moves they need to make. Um, so talking about you know, making moves, James, help us understand who needs to attend the mediation so that those moves can actually happen. Yeah. And, you know, Ian, thank you so much for about the sharing on the number stuff, right? And because I know some people come in and go, well, daggum, if we if, if we just did 50 percent of what a plaintiff claims and that, you know, that's not right. But that's not how it works. So I thank you for sharing that with us. And so who should attend? Right. Uh, under the rules. Right. If uh, the parties and relevant decision makers with settlement authority are required to attend. Um, and that can be a whole host of people or, you know, somebody's got to have authority uh, to settle the case. And unless the entire mediation is remote, it makes sense to insist that all those people attend in person. Generally, that's what the rules require. And so you've got to have people there with settlement authority. And the rules even say you have, you have a good faith uh, attempt to settle, right? Uh, that, that's obviously not defined, but that's what it, how they, the rules are written. Um, and if the people that have actual settlement authority attend, then what happens is generally we just find that they're more engaged. Um, now, the idea is that we don't want to go through this exercise of trying to mediate um, for one party to say to the other, well, you know, I don't have the authority to settle this. I've got to get it from somewhere else. That sort of takes the wind out of the sail a little bit. Um, so you also have to have... If you do reach uh, an agreement or settlement uh, at, during the mediation process, the rules now require that the settlement agreement be signed um, at the time that all the parties are there. Um, so that's another reason that's why we, we want people there that have settlement authority. Um, you know, and I know, Ian, you've been in cases uh, where, you know, people have limited authority, right? They'll go, well, I can settle this up to this point, but after that, it's somebody else's call. And, you know, the question is, should they be in the room? I, you know, we would all, always argue that they should be uh, at the mediation in the very beginning. Because uh, sometimes, depending on the type of company that, that it is, you know, whoever has settlement authority may give the person that's actually going authority up to a certain point. And after that, they have to call or text or email, whatever, or wait and follow up with them later. And, again, what I have found is that just sort of, takes away a little bit of the the emphasis on settlement um but it happens a lot it seems like it well it's certainly if there's insurance companies that's where it seems like it happens the most uh, most businesses that i think when it's business to business i would i would probably say you know you and i probably have had most of the time the, the actual decision makers are in the room um which is it just helps out tremendously um so that sort of gives you an idea of who should be there, right? And then what should you do, Ian, to avoid – what should you avoid at mediation? What, what are some things you want to stay away from? Sure. I'll talk about that in a second. But I will say that whenever I used to deal with a lot of insurance companies, especially in car wreck cases and things like that, uh, there were some predictable phone calls that we would get right <laughs> before mediation. The one is, well, can my adjuster attend by phone? You know, they're usually mm -hmm. up in Cincinnati or wherever and don't want to get on an airplane and fly to North Carolina. And I would always have to politely say, no, we, we really need them here. Uh, and then we would always say, and, and don't send somebody that doesn't have authority to actually settle this case. <laughs> I understand that you all might value it one way, but if you've got coverage up to whatever, you need to have somebody that can write that check if need be. They're not saying they have to do it, 
but they at least need the ability to do it. At least that's how I read the rules. And I think it's yeah. borderline bad faith to send somebody that doesn't have authority to actually resolve it. Um, but in terms of what you should avoid at mediation, the first thing I would say is avoid going into it closed mind. We all have our position about a particular set of facts. Uh, James and I get paid to advocate for a particular position. And then obviously that's our client's position and their position isn't going to change. Um, so I'm not asking anybody to change their position. I'm just asking people to go in willing to listen to the other side's position. That doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but you need to at least understand it so you can analyze the risk and the benefits of not settling your case uh, or settling your case. Um, even if everybody has a different point of view, I think if you look at the problem from all of those different points of view, it's just a lot easier to actually solve a problem. Um, another thing that I would tell people to avoid is having a particular number in mind that is kind of that line in the sand number that you're not going to go above or below under any set of circumstances. At the end of the day, um, you know, some people allow emotions to dictate what their walkaway number is. But you need to look at, well, does $1,000 or $5,000 really matter all that much? If you're settling the case for $10,000, then maybe. Um, but if you're in the larger numbers, then don't get hung up on the fact that you really didn't want to pay six figures or you didn't want to pay uh, $200,000 or whatever. Um, you know, you might uh, miss an opportunity to settle because of this number that you have in mind going in that's tied to some emotional component. You need to really think about it from a business standpoint more than anything. Um, the other thing, and I have made this mistake a couple of times, uh, unfortunately, is being mean or rude in mediation. Um, there's never really a time for doing that in litigation. Uh, mediation is no different. And at mediation, we want people to be thinking about compromise. Um, so you need to be conciliatory. It's not the time to go and necessarily poke anybody in the eye and point out, you know, that they're a crook, even if all the, the records really support that, yeah, this person's really not a good person. Um, going in and calling them a fraudster right off the bat, uh, even though it might feel good for a second and it might even be true, uh, just doesn't really get the, the compromise juices flowing the way we want it to. So don't do what I've done in the past and upset the other side uh, because then your mediation is never going to get off the ground. Um, that's one of those situations where you're hoping for a second mediation, usually. Um, so, James, what should you do to hopefully increase your odds of reaching an agreement and having a successful mediation? Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what you were just saying. Um, you know, there's some, thankfully, not many of our clients expect us to, but sometimes clients want you to go in and bang the table, threaten to break knees, and, you know, I'm, I use that jokingly, but. They just want you to be that forceful, right? And I think you, my my philosophy and my approach is I can I can look at the facts, and I could call the fact the the truthful facts out in a way that says you're a cheat and you're a liar and you are fraud, right? Without saying uh, without saying it in such a way that uh, it alienates the other side, right? I want them to know the truth, and I want them to know that we know the truth. 
Um, so Ian, I'd love your, what's your perception, right? I've, I've, you know, I've got situations, I've got one coming up where I'll be honest, I can't understand the other side's case at all. It doesn't make any sense. And I have a feeling, I think I know what's going on, but I'm not exactly sure why. And I don't want to get too, too deep in the weeds on this one on, on the podcast yet. Cause our mediation is coming up in March. Um, so I want to say in the mediation, this is what the facts look like, right? Um, and it's a basically the other side just doesn't want to pay, um, and there's un, and it's totally unreasonable. Do I call them out in that and say it in that way without saying they're cheat, fraud, and liar? Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that you have to point out the good facts for your side, the bad facts for the other side, uh, but you can do that in a way that uh, is it, sort of a matter of fact presentation as opposed to um, you know you guys are are cheaters and liars and fraudsters uh, throwing those words around, it just really, it doesn't help solve the problem. The facts are the facts. I think right. the facts are fair game. Um, so I think the way to deal with it is maybe not editorializing on the facts right. any more than you have to. Yeah. And, you know, again, depending on the facts and the circumstances, I generally will talk. And if it, sometimes you have to get really deep down in the weeds on, um, the, um, the, the nuances and almost the bad news on the other side. Right. And I don't sugarcoat it. Right. I don't, I don't very often sugarcoat that piece of it because I want them to know this. We know this piece of it, right. We know this is the facts and we're going to exploit that. Right. And, and I, I can try to say that in a, in a way that's not meant to be personal. It's just facts. And this is what we're going to do to prove our case. Um, so to sort of look at some other ways to increase your odds of success, again, have some idea, like Ian had said earlier, about what, what you're willing to do to get it settled. Um, and, I, and I always tell our, our clients is, you know, don't sit on a number, right, but have a, have a range of where you want it to settle. Don't get so obsessed on, on the numbers that you lose sight of the overall goal, right? Uh, you need to make sure that you have some sense of what you're willing to to do one way or the other, however you need to get it resolved. Um, make sure you're talking with your attorney. I think having a pre-mediation conversation, it can be by either face-to-face or by phone, um, with your attorney helps, right? Just get some understanding of the case, where you think it's going to start, how is it going to work, what are things we want to make sure we talk about or not talk about, um, but make sure you have that, that meeting if your case is clear cut from liability and damages standpoint, then you can take a more aggressive position maybe at the mediation. And if you, if if it's less clear in terms of what the liability or damages are, then that might, you know, change how you approach it. One thing that I have found uh, in doing this, and I can't remember how long, where I heard this Ian, but it's daggum, it's true. Right. And in this case, I've got coming up in a mediation. I just can't figure out, what the other side's position is and almost invariably like right, when you walk in and you truly are that confused the the advice i was given with before is to make sure to listen to the other side listen to what their case is listen to what they say or maybe don't say um and the reason that is is a lot of times you you may not ever read it in a pleading they the attorney maybe opposing counsel may, may never ever say it or the parties may never ever say it but all of a sudden in mediation, it, it will like pop up, right? It's like 
all of a sudden the pressure has been put on and their truth will come out, right? Their cash flow have, have cash flow problems or their feelings got hurt or there's some ego involved or somebody got crossed up somehow. And all of a sudden you, the obvious will, will come out, right? And you go, dang, that's what the problem is. So it's a great time to listen to the other side. Uh, and that helps a lot of times. Like if if I if we know where the other side wants to get to, right? We might be able to figure out how to get them there, make sure we can get them what we want, and then that sort of creates a win for everybody. Working to really understand what that case is really about, right? Cases are almost never about emotion. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a I just want an apology, um, right? And they go, okay, well, dang, if we'd known that, we could have gotten it resolved. Um, or sometimes it's a result of just trying to keep the emotions in check and um, figuring out what the real issues are. Uh, sometimes it's sometimes it's ego and pride. Um, it, it, and again, that you know that's not illegal, but that's what really is driving it. Um, the, a lot of times the cases will hinge on one or two issues, uh, and trying to get an understanding of what those are in mediation. A lot of times we'll open it up, right? You go, this case will never ever settle in mediation. And I think we both have, have realized sometimes when we feel that, that way, those cases actually probably have a high percentage chance of settlement. Uh, make the necessary arrangements, right, to, to pay a settlement if you uh, are the, the defendant or if you have some liability at the, at the, uh, in the case. You can't settle a case if you don't have the funds available to do it or having them come in at some time, right? Analyze whether it makes sense to borrow the money or to settle the case to get it behind you and to avoid the, the legal fees and just the cost of litigation. There's an emotional cost. There's a mental cost. There's certainly a dollar cost. Um, that's not how most of our clients make money is in litigation. And we really work with our clients, whether on the plaintiff side or the defendant side, to say what makes sense for you and your business at this point or you individually, right? Um, and again, make using and i think this is where you're coming using attorneys that have experience and mediators that have experience looking for options about how to settle the case um it that to me is the probably the most one of the most fun parts of the mediation is trying to find that that common ground of how once you figure out what the number is or how the payment's going to work or you know what what that looks like um, it's just fun trying to put that together. Um, so in what, how do people deal with the confidentiality stuff in mediation? Yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, and I'll tell you that in almost every mediation I've ever been a part of, even though the mediator has talked about confidentiality at the beginning, I'll get a question like, won't be, we be able to talk about the fact that they've already offered X amount of dollars uh, to us or should we worry about them bringing up we offered this amount of money to settle the case and the answer to both of those questions is absolutely not that's by design of the mediation rules of the program itself um, we want people to be able to talk freely and openly uh, about the case uh, if everybody is playing their cards super close to the vest because they're worried about what might happen if the case doesn't settle, then we're not really having a, a full and open discussion. Um, and I think the people that uh, designed the mediation program realize this. So everything is confidential, what you say to the mediator. A mediator can't be uh, subpoenaed 
Um, and you know, whatever happens at the mediation, I tell people to think about it as a day that's been carved out of the case. And you know, this day, whatever is said, doesn't have anything to do with the total outcome of the case. Um, and you know, generally, if something can't be used against you, you're more likely to say it. And uh, it's because of this confidentiality and the fact that people can speak freely that you do sometimes get to the real issues in the case because people are, are not as worried about uh, things uh, coming out into the open. Uh, another thing about this that I think is important is uh, you should never try to bluff the mediator. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, don't take a position with the mediator that you don't intend to, to back up. Uh, because it can really backfire on you. So keep in mind everything's confidential and really work as hard as you can, knowing everything's confidential to get the case resolved. And my view on it is uh, offer more money than you may want to, just try to get it resolved. Be willing to take a little less than you really want to to try to get it resolved. And then if the other side doesn't take your reasonable offer, then there's nothing that says that offer has to stay on the table. Um, so use the confidentiality uh, that goes along with mediation to your advantage to try and uh, just get the case worked out in any way possible. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, so I don't know about y'all, but sometimes, you know, you show up for a case with a purpose of hoping to get it settled and you recognize that some, it just, it's not going to settle. Right. I mean, I don't know about you and I, you know, those where you get really, I say you get close you think it's getting close and then it just stops right or it falls apart. How about you? But man, I leave there and I'm, I'm, it's a little bit of a bummer. Do you feel that way? Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's one of those things where uh, everybody seems close, but for whatever reason, maybe there's some uh, side issue that needs to be resolved as part of the mediation. And you might be close on the number, but you're not close on that side issue. And, and I agree that it, uh, it is unfortunate whenever you, uh, have these near misses of settlement. Yeah. So just realize that not every case settles, right? A interesting statistically, I know when Ian and I both are in law school, you know, we, we wanted to do trial work, and that's what thankfully get a lot to do. And they say how many cases, what the percentage of the number of cases actually settle. I thought you, Ian, I remember thinking, there ain't no way that's true. Uh, it's true. <laughs> that's a true number, right? Yep. So. A lot of times cases do settle either at mediation or at, you know right before the right before trial um however some cases don't right and sometimes there's all kinds of reasons why they don't settle and it could be that one side is being unreasonable or both sides are being unreasonable or the emotion is is in the way and it can't and it's not resolved um some people just want their day in court to be able to you know express their side of the, of the situation and see what happens right um, and again, I've got a case where we went to trial and it made no sense economically, but the other side wouldn't give in. And my client uh, was based off of principle. He's like, I'm not giving in on this. And I kept telling him, you know, you're spending a lot of money, but he didn't want to fork it up. And I, I understood his position. Uh, he spent a lot of money to prove that he was right. Um, and, you know, when you when the judge tells you that you're right, it does feel good. But. Later on, you go, dang, I spent a lot of money on that. Um, just what some people do, right? Uh, if you find yourself in those one of those situations, right, sometimes it's just simple to realize that you're destined for trial, and that's what's going to happen, right? Uh, and there could be an appeal after that. And again, depending on the case, 
the complexity of it, the issues involved, the, the maybe the dollar amount involved, sometimes that just is how it's going to work. Um, and it, it may not be ideal, um, but that's the thing. Sometimes that's what happens, right? Um, you can, you only can control one side of the case. Um, and it's really interesting. Sometimes I feel like maybe attorneys get in the way sometime of settlement. And I'm not sure that's right, right? I don't know that because I don't know what the other side is saying, but it's just, you know, it's just interesting why some cases settle and some don't, but just realize if you're putting in good faith effort, you're trying, you're being reasonable, you're, you know, you're bending, obviously, a lot of times, I know, obviously, our clients bend over a lot more uh, one way or the other than they thought they would just to try to get it settled, and it just doesn't settle. Um, and it, that is, it is frustrating. It, it takes a little bit of, um, refocus to get 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 your head back in go you know what i thought it was going to settle it's not settling so let's just prep, keep prepping for, for trial uh we want to get a resolution and that doesn't mean you know 50 percent or you know cut it cut the baby in half kind of thing sometimes a resolution is just not available um but i would tell you this i, I think both of us would say keep listening keep engaged keep trying keep making sure that you communicate with your attorney um and you know do prepare for the best right and sometimes i'm amazed that when even you have mediation it doesn't work right it doesn't settle and you're prepping for trial in in north carolina most of our trials start on monday that's the calendar call when the court says you know be here on monday at nine o'clock or ten o'clock for a trial and the week before is chaos a lot of times or, or a couple of weeks before or chaos trying to get everything ready and all of a sudden the phone starts to ring or you get emails, um, you know, Thursday afternoon going into Friday. I don't know about you, Ian, but it seems like it all goes into the weekend too, right? You, you've got everything lined up. You've run everything yep. off. You've got all your copies and everything's ready, right? And then the case settles, um, which is hopefully a good thing for the clients, right? That's generally a good thing when people can settle their cases, Um it is frustrating uh, at times when you spent all that amount of time and money uh, and then it settles. But again, the end result is a good thing, hopefully. So uh, do you agree with that, Ian? How's that work to you in your mind? Yeah, I agree with it. Uh, it, it is uh, a little bit frustrating, though, because uh, it seems like the Saturday or Sunday before trial, after we put in all this work, we'll finally get the offer that the other side should have made. Uh, a long, long time ago. Usually the offer they should have made at mediation finally comes in <laughs> once they realize that either they're going to lose at trial or they're not ready for trial. People get uh, reasonable in a hurry. Uh, and you know, sometimes that's an impediment to settlement at that point because our clients have to look at it from the standpoint of, well, we've already invested all this money with you to get ready. So unless it's an offer of about what we think we're going to get at trial, we're just not interested at this juncture. Um, so I would encourage everybody not to wait until the last minute to try to settle cases because sometimes you miss that window. Um, and then speaking of missing settlement opportunities, the last thing I would say is don't miss your settlement opportunities at mediation by being stubborn. And I say that to lawyers and clients, um, but I've had mediations that, uh, frankly should have settled, but never got off the ground because of some issue and that's usually either one side started too low or too high 
and there was just no way to get a productive conversation going because uh, we might be over in this ballpark and then the other side's in a completely different state. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're not at least in the same ballpark pretty early on, um, there's not a mediator in the world that's going to be able to, to bring everybody together. So what a good mediator once told me that I repeat pretty often is that prospect of settlement is going to get you more money if you're on the plaintiff's side in particular. So if you go in uh, just completely unrealistic about what you're demanding, um, the other side's never really going to engage in a meaningful discussion with you. But if you're at least close whenever you start out, uh, that doesn't mean you start out with your best and final number by any stretch. But if you're uh, in a an area that you can move into their range within a couple rounds of mediation, it's much more likely that you're going to get your case settled. Um, and I really think that the same is true regardless of which side you're on. Uh, if people feel like they can reach a resolution, they're going to work a lot harder to try and reach that resolution. If people feel like it's a lost cause, um, they're just not going to put in the effort. So, Give the other side something to think about is what I would tell you whenever you're going in, regardless of whether you're defending the case or whether uh, you're bringing the case. Um, just try to make them think about uh, what they stand to lose if they don't pay close to what you're asking. Um, if they have no risk, then why should they settle the case? Or if they don't have risk, that's uh, at least in line with what you're your value in the case at. Um, so, you know, I think all of those are things you should keep in mind and also just that there is no magic formula for mediation. I've never had two mediations that went exactly the same. Uh, I don't know about you, James, but uh, I like mediations because uh, you never really know what's going to happen or how they're going to go. Um, but uh, it's important just to be open-minded and have somebody by your side that's been there before so they can guide you through the process. If you have any questions about mediation, we'd certainly be able, uh, happy to talk with you about it and uh, see if there are any strategies we might suggest to uh, make your day successful. If you have any questions, just give us a call.